Have we said the name of the podcast enough times? It's called Super, Super Weird. Weird. set up microphones to record us talking about what? Well, I think the general idea was we wanted to let everyone else know our thoughts and observations and lessons that we've learned by watching cartoons and or programming that had lessons to be learned. Of course. Uh, when we were children. Um, man, so I know uh, that you had a very different upbringing than I did. Oh, oh, so different. Uh, I was raised by wolves. And I was raised by the church. Of wolves, the Church of Wolves, the yes. authorized King James Church of Wolves. Um, no, I uh, I uh, I grew up going to uh, a very fundamentalist uh, church, and it was a big church, big enough that they had a church library. I don't know if all churches have libraries; some probably do. Um, but this church had a library where you could uh, not just check out books, um, but you could rent movies. And you, you need to put some heavy air quotes around that word movies. Movies. Uh, you could rent uh, videotapes. Okay, there we Can go. Can we say videotapes? Yes. Uh, you could rent videotapes. Do you know what, kids, do you know what videotapes are? <laughs> Never mind. We'll, we'll get back to that. Go ahead. Uh, so growing up, and I mean growing up like when I was small, like like not quite kindergarten and maybe kind of kindergarten first grade. Four or five. Yeah. Uh, I was exposed to a series uh, called Superbook. And Superbook, Superbook, it's a, it's a it's a Japanese anime that was dubbed into English mm-hmm. that basically teaches children the stories of the Bible. Um, and it always uh, seemed really normal to me as a kid. In fact, I, I would venture to say I know I know a lot about uh, the Bible and as far as uh, stories and parables and things like that. But I'm realizing that. A lot of it um, is from these cartoons I watched growing up. You got the safe-for-work version I, of the Bible. I got the safe-for-work version of the Bible, and now that we have found Superbook in its entirety on Available YouTube— Available on YouTube. You can Google—or you can YouTube. Is YouTube <laughs> a verb yet? Can you YouTube can, it? Can you tube it? Okay. Well, if you get on YouTube and you type in Superbook 80s cartoon, you will find it. And uh, we have been watching it. And I have to say, uh, it it it's very different watching it as an adult um, than watching it. I had to show it to to Ben. Mm, um, you had to. I had to because you needed to know. It, it helps you understand where I came from. Oh, and uh-huh. man, do I have questions! But we will get into that shortly. Um, why why did we choose Superbook first? Um, you know, there are so many things in our childhood, both yours and mine, but I think, uh, Superbook was just such an obscure thing that if you were, were raised fundamentalist Christian, then you were probably exposed to it either in Sunday school or something like that, uh, or at your church or at home. I know my, my parents every Friday night, this was, this was a, an actual ritual at my house. Every Friday night, my a dad would A religious ritual. <laughs> there were candles and seances, uh-huh. it, it, sacrificial cassette tapes. Yeah, uh, VHS and pizza. Um, my dad would bring home a pizza and, my, and a, a super book tape. Uh, and we so I'm wondering. I don't think he got it from the church library. I think he probably went to like Blockbuster or Video One or an actual <laughs> rental store that carried this, um, because he would come home with these tapes. Uh, and I don't think he swung by the church after work. I think he found it in a video store. Anyway, so I watched a bunch of these cartoons growing up. Um, well, he was picking up his copy of Die Hard so that he could watch it the next day. He grabbed you a, a tape of Superbook. I think so. As you said, we wanted to go more obscure media that influenced us as children. We didn't want to take the stuff that everybody knows. You could talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman, Ghostbusters Star all Wars. day. Star Wars. It's Star Trek. It's all been done to death almost. But we wanted to find the stuff that wh- 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 how did this come into our our lives? Who made this? Why did it end up? Well, in this our came into VHS? my life from my parents. 
Um, who just who? wanted you to be right by God, apparently. Yeah, and so... And boy, did they choose a winner here. So with Superbook, we're going to go into the episodes one by one, uh, starting with the first episode, which, which to its credit, it does start at the beginning. It does. It starts smack at the beginning uh, of how the Bible. How it all began. How it all began is, is the, the name, name of the, of the episode. episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's about uh, Adam and Eve, and uh, and we're going to watch it, and we're going to talk about it's it. The, the misadventures of Adam and Eve, or... More the misadventure, because they kind of only really had one. You can't blame me for this mess. That's super weird. <laughs> right? Does that work? That works. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> Man, we built that up, and it just flopped to the ground like a dying No, no, no. Trout. Give, me, give me another one. Give All right, go one. ahead. No, no. Both of these are going in now, okay. so what's your All second right. one? Right, here's, my, here's my next quote from the show. All right, go. Oh, I'm in trouble, all right, but my biggest trouble is my little boy Christopher. What do you think of that? Super weird. <laughs> <laughs> or am I supposed to be she went like, oh, I'm in trouble, all right, but my biggest trouble is my super weird little boy, Christopher. There you go. I'll yeah. take that, too. Okay. Uh, have we said the name of the podcast enough times? It's called <laughs> Super, super weird. weird. The first episode. Go ahead, Dexter. Uh, the first episode is um, how it all began, and, and it's going to talk about uh, the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, and we're going to find our first lesson of the day. Now, this is what we're supposed to get out of this as as, as children watching it, but also with Ben being an adult, uh, sort of. he's going to tell us what he gets out of it, have, uh, watching it with... Uh, I guess I can't say a neutral mind. It's a very critical mind. Very critical. Very biased. The show doesn't start directly into the the word of the Bible. It more or less sets up the narrative that this show is taking place in anywhere of the world. Whereas it's a... Uh... The show is pretty much the same every episode. It mm-hmm. starts out with these two kids that live well they don't live uh the son lives with his dad who's a mm-hmm. professor in so this big house Christopher is the is the boy child Christopher Peeper yeah there's and his father Professor Peeper the narrator is the first character we meet and the narrator is Superbook um he's so, what Superbook Superbook yeah super weird um <laughs> so we meet the, the narrator introduces to us to the house just down the street and around the corner um and we meet Professor Peeper who uh, talks about how his attic is messy, and so he makes his 10-year-old son, Christopher, uh, clean it. And he's soon joined by his uh, Chris's friend, Joy, who is about his age but a girl, uh, and their dog, Ruffles. Ruffles. Ruffles Pink have lace. ridges, yes. <laughs> uh, Pringles the dog. <laughs> uh, Funyuns, the pet. Um, I'd name my dog Funyuns. I can, can you name your dog a plural? I I feel like you should name your animal anything that you're comfortable shouting from your porch in the middle of the night. <laughs> Mussolini! <laughs> Funyuns! <laughs> it's like, uh, just a series of like really stoned teenagers. And I was like, what? Funyuns, man? You got some? Uh, my friend tells a story of a neighbor that had a dog named OK. <laughs> and he would just stand at his porch screaming, OK! OK! <laughs> and he was crazy. Are you sure your neighbor wasn't crazy and just lied to you about a dog he had? Oh, no, I'm not crazy. It's my dog. Okay. Okay. It's all right. Amanda used to live pretty close to a professional wrestler who I will not reveal their name because I don't want to get sued. Mm -hmm. But this professional wrestler was apparently uh, batshit insane and would stand out in his front porch and stare directly into the sun. That is super weird. (laughs) That's probably what's wrong with my girlfriend. (laughs) So, she, she didn't watch Super Weird. She just watched an aging professional wrestler slowly lose his mind and his sight. <laughs> Superbook. <laughs> so, so, so all these episodes start with with uh, Joy and Chris, who are these two kids that find this book in the attic of the professor's house. That is like a, a it's an anthropomorphic book. It it is alive. It speaks it to is, them. It is magic somehow, and it teleports them uh, into the world of Superbook, which is they never it, say it in the show mm-hmm. that it is a Bible. No, but it 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 is a book that looks like it could be a Bible. It opens up to pictures or a Windows ninety five manual. Yeah, uh, it opens up to pictures of. Uh, Bible stories, um, like for the example, the first episode opens up to a picture of Adam and Eve. Yes. Um, so we're gonna just 
assume that it's a type of Bible um, that has been heavily enchanted. Uh, right. Because you know what really gets uh, the Bible going? Magic. Magic. Yeah. You know what's in the, well, a lot of the Bible? Magic. Well, when I was a kid, it was always the pictures. You know, I didn't want to read a Bible that didn't have any pictures in it. And this is basically just pictures without all the words. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're focusing on the words right now. Uh, right. So the kids get transported into this world where they have to interact now with these Bible story characters. And we're not really sure if it, it's described a lot as a time traveling kind of show because you're time traveling back into Bible times. But since that's up to a lot of debate and since the book never explicitly says we're traveling back in time, we can right. also assume that it's just kind of this holodeck like uh, world that it creates. Yeah, it, it, it pulls you into this world where there are Bible stories happening, mm-hmm. and they can interact with these uh, figures in the story without changing the outcome of the story. There are always things that happen that it, make it... It, it, it always, never changes how the story yeah, ends. Yeah, the result is always the same. Right. So uh, we're going to get into episode one right now. In the beginning, or how it all began, or Dr. Strangelove, or whatever this <laughs> show is called. Superbook! The, the the first episode opens with a house uh, down the street and around the corner uh, where Professor Peepers is talking to himself, you know, like a learned professor is oft to do. Mm-hmm. And he, he has an idea, but he forgot the idea. So he needs to go get a book out of the attic. He goes up to a book in the attic. The attic is incredibly dusty. So dusty, in fact, that it, it looks like smoke billowing out of the attic. And that's when we're introduced to uh, Chris Peeper. Yeah, Chris comes home from school, and he looks at his house, and he sees what he imagines is smoke coming out of the attic. So he thinks there's a fire. He runs, and he gets a bucket of water, and he bursts through the attic door and just douses his dad and the pile of books with water. And they have a very interesting exchange. Um, I tell you what, do you want to be Chris or do you want to be the professor? Uh, we did this. We we, we practiced this practiced this bit, so I'll I'll be Chris again. So okay. Chris has just uh, doused his father and all of his literature with water, and his dad is kind of uh, kind of scalding him for it. So we're gonna that's the scene and action. <clears throat> dad, it's okay. I put the fire out. There was no fire, you silly boy. There was just dust. Now look what you've done to this book. But I thought you were in trouble. I just wanted to save you. Oh, I'm in trouble, all right. But my biggest trouble is my little boy, Christopher. What do you think of that? (laughs) So, right there. Um, The professor is super an asshole. Super asshole. (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm in trouble, all right. But my biggest trouble is my little boy, Christopher. Uh, What do you think of that? So, basically, like, man, forget what just happened. I don't like you. Uh, that's a difficult, How does that make you feel, that's son? Difficult place to be as a 10-year-old. <laughs> I remember when my dad said he didn't like me when I was 10 and how it made me feel great. So then Chris responds, You can't blame me for this mess. And he says, I'm not blaming you for this mess. I'm talking about the fact that you don't even You're help bringing me. up old shit, Dad! Yeah, so he immediately turns it not on this, but on something. I, I'm, I'm not talking about this mess. I'm talking about the fact that you don't even help me. But that's all going to change right now because you're going to help me clean this attic. Uh, this mess can wait. Time after school is for playing. Oh, though, there, there's no law that says you must play, so forget it. Would you believe I have homework? Better go now. Not so fast, young man. You can do your homework after you finish cleaning up this attic. But I don't want to do it right now. You treat me like a slave, not a son. Why should I do everything you say? He says the word slave. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he says, I don't want to do it right now. You treat me like a slave, not a son. Um, why should I do everything you say? And I feel like that's the crux of the setup for this episode is right. why should I do everything you say? Right. You're questioning authority. That's the first that's my first red flag as an adult who didn't watch this as a child. Is like, okay, this appears to be about blindly following authority right off the dunk. I feel like what the the show is trying to do, uh, and I don't know if it was the writers or the or the the network, whoever wanted the show. I feel you like you mean the Christian Broadcasting Network. The the purpose of this episode <laughs> is to coax children into minding their parents, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing, right? Um, but blind obedience to authority is not a good thing. Nope. Um, so let's see if, if this obedience is, in fact, blind or not. Uh, so he says, uh, you're a slave, not a son. Why should everything you say? 
And I say, don't be sassy. Just remember that I'm your father. I know what's best. Well, all right. But getting paid to do the job would make it more fun. I don't know why I should pay you to be good. When I was your age, I was good for nothing. Oh, I suppose I could pay you something, but only if you do a good job. Otherwise, nothing. Yeah, because you don't pay slaves, Chris. But Dad! And that's that's where that little exchange ends. And it's just, it, it seems a bit shoehorned in because they're talking, they basically just needed to create a situation where the son can go, I don't want to do this. And the dad says, you're responsible for it. You have to. But if you look at the situation, that's not the case at all. No. Uh, the son's not responsible. for the, In his own words, he said, you can't blame me for this mess. I was only trying to help you put the fire out. Right. And just because there wasn't actually a fire. Yeah, I mean, ironically, there is the Good Samaritan law, which means that you shouldn't be punished for trying to help in a situation mm-hmm. where you aren't necessarily qualified to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this Even situation, if you are qualified to help, if you try to give someone CPR, you have you have to actively ask out loud for consent to give CPR. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they are passed out, you have to say out loud, I assume that you being passed out means you cannot give consent for me to give you CPR. Yeah, and also I do believe that you must yield uh, control to a more qualified person once they arrive right. for, it to, for it to continue. Because, like, you know, you can't do CPR, and if a medic shows up, say, no, 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 I got, I got this. I'm, I'm on this, man. Don't worry. Hey, go get me some coffee. Yeah, you really shouldn't do that. That's not <laughs> how that looks. Um, so Peepers is forced to uh, – sorry, Christopher Peepers. Peeper. Peeper. It's Peeper. Not, yeah, you keep wanting to put an S on that. I, it's because uh, – because Peepers makes a better it last name. Does it's kind of like when you see someone has the last name Daniel, you want it to be Daniels because you've always heard it Daniels. Because last names are plural. <laughs> I feel like that's a rule, but it's really it's, not. It's a, with it's the a first roving, ten examples that a, popped into my mind, none of them were plural. It's a roving gang of Johansons, <laughs> <laughs> the Smiths. Yes, no. Smiths. Smiths. No, Smith. Smith is a last name. Smiths. Is probably a much less common last name. Smithsons. <laughs> Chris Peeper is now tasked with dusting the attic. He gets uh, help from his dog Ruffles, and he is joined in the attic by his friend uh, Joy. Joy. I'm going to pull up her last name. Joy Podinsky. So she comes to help him, and you can tell right off the bat. There's an exchange where you can tell that she's kind of into him. Uh, <laughs> These are children. <laughs> Yeah. They are children. It's it's strange because it, it, it I think her first one of her first lines uh I'm trying to remember. Oh, that he does the the line where uh when she bursts into the attic and surprises him and he falls off the stool he's standing on, on he's cleaning, yeah. yeah. He like he he falls over and gets like some good hang time before he hits the ground, but as he hits the ground he was like, "Sorry, Joy, I guess I'm falling for you." And it was at that moment I realized I kind of like this Chris guy. Yeah, because it was also at that moment where Joy kind of they take a beat and they really focus on her face and she has the kind of anime thing where her eyes kind of shimmer a little mm-hmm. bit and she uh, She's clearly smitten by this man's she's, charm. Yeah, boy, she's very boy, smitten. It by is this. a child. Yeah. Um, but although he's dressed kind of like a greaser, it's he <laughs> he's he wears this kind of sh- mechanic shop uniform, and he's got like thick black oily hair. He looks like young speed speed racer. Yeah, uh, which I think this is very close to that time period. The right. animation style is very similar. Well, so what happens is that she eventually agrees to help him clean the attic, uh, and they immediately find this book, and they can, well they can't open it. The voice of Superbook is also the voice of the narrator. So the show is being narrated by Superbook. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it says, basically, uh, I've got a whole lot of cool tricks up in here if you want to pop me open and take a look. Uh, and I can transport you to wonderful, magical places. This is very, very stranger with candy, get in my van vibe. Yeah, but at no point does he say, hey, I'm a Bible and these are Bible stories. Nope. He just says, hey, I'm a, I'm a crazy book and I got all these crazy stories. So they're trying to keep it somewhat ecumenical, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it's very obvious that these are, are Bible stories. Um, also, what does he say? Uh, they like, well, what if, what if we can't? Chris asked the question, like, what if we go in and we can't come back? Yeah, he actually makes the comment. Um, let's see, where did I write it down? Oh, yeah, uh, Superbook says, "Believe in me, and no harm shall ever befall you." The symbolism will beat you to death. Which that makes me wonder, like, is Superbook God? Uh, because it's omnis- there's some omniscience here. Uh, if he's narrating, that means not only does he know what's going on inside the stories, he knows what's going on in the house mm-hmm. when he's only closed up in the attic. 
uh, he's narrating. He knows all about these characters. And also, he even introduces the professor, saying, I could have helped the professor had he asked. Well, how did you know the professor even needed trouble? You're, you're an omniscient super book. book knows all. Super book. It's super weird. It's super weird. <laughs> So they, they they get him to, to they agree to to go in and experience their first adventure. They get sucked in. Let's talk a little bit about the sucking in process because the journey of falling into Superbook is a trip. It very much the the it was it the one of the parental warnings or whatever what what you're in store for. <laughs> yeah, deranged I, animation. Yeah, yeah. On IMDb, uh, it listed the things that that you need to look at in this episode. And one of the things it called deranged animation, and I have to say it it's a cascade of trippy images uh as a kid it was super cool super weird <laughs> it was just, it was really cool to watch uh all the crazy falling in because it's like oh they're time traveling but you basically you see this you see a bunch of different colored circles so we see clocks winding numbers in space it's very rick and morty intro oh yes uh the, the tie-dyed clouds this kind of looney tunes on acid with lightning bolts rainbows mm-hmm, cloud mm-hmm. stars and then we see this what always to me looked like something you would see if you closed your eyes and got hit in the face with a baseball yeah, bat. Yeah, it's uh, uh, like, it's uh, like uh, stars, ships, horses, tr- stars in your eyes. There's like light burned in your eyes when you stare at a light bulb and blink a whole bunch and you see all that stuff. Yeah, you there. just see these random images popping into your head. Uh, and then the, the, you see the kids. Oh, and Gizmo! We they ha- follow no, something. We, we haven't hey, introduced well, Gizmo. We have not introduced Gizmo. We will get to Gizmo in a second. Well, uh, we've seen Gizmo at this point. Uh, uh, in the bedroom. he throws the book onto the bed as he tries to pry it open with a screwdriver, uh, Gizmo, we see his a toy. toy, falls onto the floor. And that's kind of just... It looks like a, it looks like a little action figure. It's like a little robot. Um, and mm-hmm. it is actually Gizmo the Crusading Robot. Uh, Who sucks. He's one of the worst characters. Uh... It's basically a big. It looks kind of like a fireman, but mm-hmm. with a big cross on his chest. Big crusader a, cross. Yeah, yep. crusader cross on his chest. Um, but even though it's just a lifeless toy in Chris's bedroom, once we're in Superbook, he is not only alive but full size. Yeah, he's the size of the children. Um, he might even. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, we're looking at him right now. Yeah, he's the size of the kids. He talks, but his mouth doesn't move. His nose flashes. Uh, when he speaks, mm-hmm. a la Operation. But he also talks like a robot from the 80s. Because he is the most 80s robot ever. He actually doesn't even pitch down. Everything is this, everything is this. Very monotone. He quotes an Elvis song. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, now here I go. And away we go. And away, whatever. Learn your Elvis. Oh, sorry. This is not the Elvis podcast. Don't step on my blue suede shoes. A little less conversation, a little more action is what I need. I was trying to think of a, a, an Elvis song yeah, that yeah. could be super weird. Wise men say only fools rush in. Okay. Uh, hunk of burning love. <laughs> <laughs> Do the Velveeta ad. I'm just a hunk, a hunk of melting love. All right. So okay. now we're here. We're here. We're here. We're, we're in he- this where, magical where, where place. Where is here? Where is here? Chris, Chris Peepers and Joy are, are, are stunned, and they come to the uh, revelation that we must have been transported into Superbook. And that's when they realize that Gizmo, the crusading robot, is alive. He's a wind-up toy, too, which only ever really comes in when the plot needs it to. Yeah, he will, he will run out of juice, and you will have to wind him up with a big turnkey that's permanently in his back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they look around and realize they are in like a lush paradise of fields and trees and streams with birds and fish and... All of these wonderful... It, it's what you would expect the Garden of Eden to look like if you were a child. They have pandas, Dexter. Uh, pandas? They have pandas in paradise. Let's talk about nudity and children's television for a minute. Now, obviously, in America, and I guess in Japan, too, uh, you know, there are some broadcasting rules about what you can show and what you can't show, and that's all well, fine, and good, except when we see Adam and Eve, uh, we see full-body nudity... Except Eve doesn't have any nipples. And Adam doesn't have a dick. So, yeah. <laughs> they're basically, they're anat- anatomically incorrect Barbie dolls. Adam Adam has nipples, and that's perfectly well, fine, and good. Is Strangely it? enough, uh, there are scenes where Adam has a belly button, which, you know, if you're the first being created, super weird. Super weird. Um, 
Eve, I never noticed if she had a belly button or not because she's got hair so long it, it tends to cover her it lower goes half of down her torso to her pelvic region. Yeah, and and so her hair is long and, and covers you know everything that needs to be covered except in a for cartoon. one boob that does not have a nipple. Yeah, there is always usually one breast present nippleless when chris first sees eve he's like whoa naked woman he very much turns into one of the wild stallions for a second and mm-hmm. it's just like oh it's a total babe and fucking joy fucking thirsty ass joy comes out <laughs> with this shit like what She's not the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. I'm just as pretty as she is. And blah, 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 blah. Except like, she's a an adequately a dressed 10-year-old child yeah. um, that just really has a crush on Chris. So after uh, our, our characters, Joy and Chris, see Adam and Eve, Adam sees them and calls them over and kind of introduces them and gives them a tour of paradise. Uh, he he tells them about how uh, God created the earth, and then he created the seas, and then land formed. They don't really get into much of that. Then he created animals, and then he made Adam in his own image from clay. And then he gave him a partner, which he made from one of... he he. Adam says that he put me into a deep sleep and then took one of my ribs and made me Eve out of my own flesh and blood. Well, and that's in line with Scripture. So if they're, if they're using the, the, the Bible, uh, or at least one of the more common translations of the Bible, uh, as their, I guess, writing outline, then, then that would be pretty much in line with Scripture. Right. Uh, that, that Eve came from Adam's rib. Uh, because he wanted a companion and the animals weren't good enough. After he tells the story of how he came to be in paradise with Eve, the camera kind of, the camera, the, the animation pans to the left, and as soon as Adam is out of frame, this just like heavily 80-yard voice is going to be like, oh, well, it's time to go to sleep now. I guess we'll just uh, hit the hay. Oh, no, 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 no. First fine. thing, but, but before that happens, uh, we, we learn about the tree. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Super important. Super important. Uh, uh, super weird too. Yes. Why? The, Why uh, is that weird? Well, he, we learn about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, which in scripture there are two trees. There's the tree of life, and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in this story, because they're simplifying a lot of things for kids, they just make it one tree. They're, they're basically they're they're shown an apple tree. They're not told it's an apple tree because scripturally it's not an apple tree, but visually it's an apple it's, tree. It, they look like tomatoes because they're perfectly round. I don't know. It's yeah, but tomatoes don't grow on trees. But they're fruit. you didn't know that, did you? I, yes, I did know that. I, I've grown tomatoes. <laughs> I watched. I watched the knowledge form in a twinkle in your eye. Much like much like the uh, seeds of doubt are planted into Eve by Chris, but we will get to that in a second. Actually, do we need to get to that in a second? I feel like we're about there because after Adam says like it's it's bedtime now, even though the sun is out and it's three p.m. and that's when we meet the evil eyes. Yeah, it, it, uh, as they're panning over, one of the things we see is just these glowing red eyes and a bush. What are they? It's sinister laughter with these. That's all you red get. Eyes. That's all you get. Yes. You get a pair of glowing red eyes in a bush and a sinister <laughs> laugh. Mm-hmm. And then it just cuts to the next day. So I guess it's we children... don't know if it's the next day because we have no concept of time because the fucking sun never sets. Yes, because the sun they literally could have fallen asleep for 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the sun and the moon and creation and light and dark. It, uh, it's all kind of a little ever. I guess <laughs> things are still being sorted out. Yeah. Um, we're getting to that. Yeah, we're getting to that. But it's on, God says, it's on the list to do. It's okay. I will get to it. Uh, so when seeing the eyes, the, the, the kid or anyone watching the show, I assume any kids would be, oh, yeah, well, that's obviously the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it never says that. And no. it, in scripture, it never says that. Nope. Um, it's, it's referred to as a serpent. As a serpent. Um, but we don't even know it's a serpent yet in the cartoon. It's not until the next day mm-hmm. when the kids decide to go swimming that the serpent comes out. When they wake up, 
uh, Eve says to them, I've got some fresh fruit. Oh, no, she says to come to the stream and wash the sleep out of your eyes. Yeah, and then she's got one some... Of, one of the things that you learn when you're the only two people in paradise is that have, you get and some don't have fucking a mirror. gunk in your fucking eyes when you sleep. They've been... They have been things for days. Not a week, not a month, not a year. Well, we don't we don't, we don't know that. We don't there's no there's no time established for how long they were in the garden of Eden before they ate from the the tree. So it could have been thousands of years. Maybe they slept for thousands of years. <laughs> Maybe there's really no time established and time really isn't important when you're the first two people on the planet. It's super weird. Um so yeah, Eve basically shows up and she's like, "I've got some fruit." And she has some grapes and some oranges and we watch Chris Bite straight into an orange. The rind's the best part. That's where all the zest is. <laughs> they use this as an opportunity to ask Eve questions about um, God. Yes, about uh, God. Chris says, "Like I'd like to know more about God." And she, oh man, the the look she shoots him when he says, "I have I, questions about God," and this is where I yeah we super had a problem with this uh, because as soon as he said, "I've got some questions about God." She gives him this very taken aback and concerned look, and, and you almost see it in her and the expression with her eyebrows that she's like saddened and that you would even dare to ask. What do you mean, question? Yeah. And she says, I'll do my best. And then he starts asking about, you know, where is God? You know, why haven't we seen him? And she says, well, God's everywhere and he guides all his creations. And Joy says, I've never seen him. And then Eve says, well, he's everywhere. He's at the top of the mountains. He's at the bottoms of the sea. He's in all these things. And he's Chris in is your like, 44 ounce Dr. Pepper in yeah. your bag of Cheetos. He's in your toast. Um, Get out of my toast, Lord. <laughs> and Chris says, God's in me, question mark. And, uh, Joey responds, he's he's with you. Super weird. Super weird. He's with you if you're with him. And that means obeying his commands. And I don't know if that's just a mistranslation from the Japanese text in this episode. Or a very heavy-handed way Americans got the idea of blindly following authority into the zeitgeist. Because logically this statement... He's with you if you're with him. Well, okay, that's the reflexive property. Sure. A is to B is B is to A. Sure, I'll buy that. But then she uses that as a supposition. Like, and that means, I mean, if you were to use that in another context, like, hey, you know, the sun rises every morning, and that means that it gets brighter outside. You can follow that logic, right? But if he's with you and you're with him, and that means obeying his commands— I don't follow that logic. Yeah, I, I feel like if you're going to obey something, there need to be other better reasons than he's with you and you're with him. Uh, super weird. Super weird. And and just it was a weird way to phrase it, but it seems to me like they're really trying. They got carried away with the whole Garden of Eden story and realized, oh, crap, we've only got 10 minutes left in this episode. We really need to start shoehorning the point in, mm -hmm. which is obedience yes blind obedience so he's with you if you're with him and that means obeying his commands at that point it goes back to chris's face and then immediately oh. dissolves to a, a still shot of the forbidden fruit on the tree to which then we have a voiceover of chris going but what about Dot, 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 dot. Yes, ellipses over here. Yeah, and then you it, it, the, the it, scene changes to Eve, and she's now, she's very f bothered, and, mm -hmm. and it, it, you can tell it's really weighing on her, these questions. Meanwhile, she's not Joy okay and with Chris this. and Gizmo go swimming. Yeah, they all decide to go swimming, and then you get to see 10-year-old Chris get completely naked and jump yeah. in the pool. And strangely enough, they super animated his genitals. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh, why? They, why, they why, didn't. Yeah, they why? didn't. Why did? Why did? Why? All of the bushes that Adam and Eve stand in front of to uh -huh. hide their genitals mm -hmm. look like they were added after the fact. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of uh, extraneous bush, <laughs> which is my new band name. Extraneous. <laughs> so uh, while while Joy and Chris and Gizmo are swimming, it cuts back to Eve and she's walking, and you can hear her say, "I'm suddenly drawn to the forbidden tree." Oh no no no! Not yet! Not yet! What first, first we see the we see the serpent. We see the devil. Oh, now, thought, well, no, but like you see her walking, and then it cuts but, back to the serpent. Who ah, now it's time. Oh, now he. And then that's when he makes his way to the tree. Yes, but she says, "I feel suddenly drawn to the tree." After he gives okay. his spiel about uh, hypnotizing her. Now, check this. This is where they take a little bit of of creative, creative liberty. liberty with. Uh, 
I mean, we could get into to the study of, of the Scripture on this. Please don't. But we're going to instead just take this at the cartoon's face value. Face value. So we see that we go back to the evil red eyes, and there's kind of voiceover, and it's like, I, Satan, which... Yep. Great of liberty. Yeah. I, Satan, will transform myself into a snake and hypnotize her and speak directly psychically into her mind and talk her into eating from this tree. And that's pretty much it. That's yeah. He refers to it as a mind hookup. Yeah, a mind hookup. Uh, super weird. Super weird. Um, <laughs> I, 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 there's so much to unpack there theologically. Yep. Uh, yep. Alphabetically. Yep. California. Grammatically. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now, now, then we cut to Eve, and she says, I feel drawn to this tree, which now we've got ambiguous reasons. She could be drawn to the tree because the snake and his hypnosis. We, she could be drawn to the tree because she has a sense of, of questioning in her mind because Chris has put all these questions, and she right. needs to Thanks, know answers. Chris. And if, if we all know one thing about questions and answers, you got to have knowledge. And where do you get knowledge in the Garden of Eden? From the tree! Me. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I feel like God could have just said, this is the tree of termites. <laughs> Stay away from this tree. And there you wouldn't have it. been any questions. It's if not you like, eat it, you'll turn into wood. Yeah, it's not like Chris was going to come down and be like, you know, I've always wondered about termites. Can we ask the tree? Uh, and then the snake's like, yeah, I'm going to hypnotize Eve. And <laughs> the snake we're gonna... turns into Roger Daltrey and a pair of sunglasses <laughs> fall onto his face. And then God God yeah! smites all the termites at the end of the story instead. <laughs> and that's why termites have to live in our walls. Uh, uh, <laughs> you, termite, I shall curse you above all beasts. You will have to chew on the foundations of houses for all your days. Chew without, you will chew but never be full. <laughs> uh, so Eve God, heads to the God tree. God curses animals like the pirates get cursed in the <laughs> stupid fucking movies. The snake, uh, hypnot, hip, um, man, heavy air quotes, hypnotize, like, a, a, the mildest of suggestions that she should eat it, and she's just like, all right. Yeah, and he even tells her, he, he even tells her, uh, I'm talking to you in your mind, and she's like, oh my god, I want to eat this tree. And, I think uh, she's crazy and is making comments, oh, the snake is talking to No, you're, you are hearing voices, honey. But I think it's very obvious to the children watching this show that what Eve does is totally not her fault, and that's where I have a real problem with this, uh, because... First of all, even before we get into a, a theological questioning of whether questioning is good or bad, we have a, a, an external force of self-described evil. He calls himself Satan. Mm. Uh, that says he's going to hypnotize her. And I feel like if an omniscient presence can't understand that, uh, then there's a bigger problem. Um, but but it totally hypnotizes her into grabbing the fruit and eating it. Uh, the robot tries to stop her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris says something to the effect of he's worried about Eve when they get to the uh, swimming hole. Isn't there a—I feel like worried about Eve is the name of a book or a TV series or a movie or something. Uh, is that all about Eve? It was a— It's all about Eve. Band. They opened for 12-Gauge Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your stupid band name you came up with earlier? Oh, uh, Extraneous Bush. Extraneous Bush. Uh, Gavin Rosdale was very mad he didn't get to that first. Well, they just said that it was extraneous. It wasn't needed. Just yeah. Bush is fine. Yeah, it's uh, it would cost more to print uh, T-shirts, so they just changed it to Bush. Yeah, extraneous is in and of itself an extraneous word. <laughs> Too many letters, but I highly recommend putting it on a cookie cake. You get more icing that way. <laughs> But uh, Chris is worried about uh, Eve. This is before she is drawn to the tree. So he says, he sends Gizmo to go look after her. Mm -hmm. And as she's being uh, hypnotized by the serpent, that's when Gizmo realizes she's about to eat from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Can, that's I hate. I hate that we have to keep saying that the full name of the tree, like it's a tribe called Quest. Yeah, and uh, the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah. It's, you wish to say the tree? It's an extraneous name. Yes. Anyways, the point I was getting at is that Gizmo just comes up a little bit short. The aforementioned plot device of his wind-up key in the, his back, it, it, he's, he's out of juice. Yeah, he, he just stops just short of the, of, of the goal line, 
and 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 the Patriots intercept on the one yard, and they win the Super Bowl, and Russell Wilson doesn't get a second ring. Sports reference. And then something super weird happens. Super weird. Uh, we learn that Gizmo has uh, uh, the ability to shoot a flare out of his helmet yeah, sig- straight up into the sky. Yeah, he's got a signal flare. Yeah, so he shoots a signal flare into the sky to let Chris know that, A, he needs winding up, and B, Eve's about to eat from the fruit. So this huge firework shoots into the sky, which if that wasn't going to stop Eve from, you know, snap her back to reality, uh, nothing was. Mm -hmm. But Chris, you know, nakedly runs out of the lake, uh, grabs his clothes, starts running. Joy follows. Uh, They find Gizmo. They wind him up. He's like, you know, oh, we must help Eve. Look there. Uh, And we (laughs) see like 40 feet away uh, the snakes with Eve. And and so Chris starts running. No, she's already taken a bite by this point. Has she? Yes. I thought because Chris tried to stop it and the snake Chris, intercepted. Snake intercepts Chris just before Adam takes a bite. I gotcha. And man, when At- Adam runs up to Eve before Chris and Joy get to Gizmo, I believe, maybe, I'm not sure. But the point I was going to get at is that Adam, Adam is just flabbergasted that Eve would even consider doing the one thing God told them not to do. Well, and, you know, I think the story tries to to tell you, well, she was asking questions. She shouldn't have been asking questions. But no, the snake really did, at least in this cartoon. I'm not saying we can interpret scripture all day long. But in this cartoon, the snake is definitely at fault. Uh, Right. Uh, yeah, and so, uh, strangely enough... He threw all that water onto Professor Peeper's books, mm-hmm. and it's all his fault. It's all his fault. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually, I would say, it, there's even more cause for the professor to be mad at Chris than for uh, God to be angry with Eve um, because of this external force at play. But but But... Once Eve eats the fruit, she's like, "Oh, this is great, Adam. You should try some." And Adam, dis- uh, w- uh, they, when they eat it, they describe it as pretty good. Yeah, w- which like if you are eating, I would uh, man. If I was writing that show, I would make them like lose their minds. They just tasted the most delicious thing that they've ever had. I can't believe that God tried to keep this from me. It would at least give a little bit to their characters. Like, why would God keep something so great from them? And uh, okay, before. <laughs> Ah, the exchange. I, we have to get into this because it's. It, 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 I have the quote. I have the yes. quote from Adam. <clears throat> Go ahead. Uh, so when Eve's trying to get talk Adam into eating the fruit, um, you know she says, "You really got to do this." Uh, and he's like, "I mean, he's he's flabbergasted. It, he's got his eyebrows are raised. He's got a look of horror on his face. He's like, why in the world he grew would you another beard? Do That's this? how." Um, and she says, well, it's really not that bad. I mean, she gives some weak sauce gaming mm-hmm. because it's okay. she's try it. I, I do believe she's still hypnotized because she's not making any sense. He says, like, Eve, I don't understand why you would do this. Mm-hmm. And she says, because I'm your wife. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Because, I, yeah, I would eat from this fruit because I'm. Is is she trying to say, like, because, because I I'm came your wife, f- I am your constant point of like contention in life i don't know i mean maybe she's trying to get philosophical about it maybe she's Mm -hmm. trying to say look because i came from you i am you and therefore if they're my thoughts they're your thoughts so super weird and and again he just responds with well i don't understand that but i'll do what you say you're my wife i'm your husband so yes we gotta do it yeah as, as we all know she eats from the fruit he eats from the fruit the moment before something really really bad happens like you flip a switch but nothing happens in those first two seconds. You're like, maybe everything's okay. And then your entire world is set on fire. Okay. So when he bites of the apple, he says it's pretty good. There's this lovely little beat where they're staring at each other. Adam's holding the fruit in his hand. And then it's cut. it turns into this, like, uh, <laughs> Watchmen nuclear winter silhouette of the two of them. Yeah, like and the voice of shit immediately God. gets real. Yeah, uh, and and God comes and, and now in the scripture it's much more drawn out, you know, because uh, there's this whole thing about you know God came to them and for his evening walk with them because mm. he would come down and he would walk with them. And that evening, God needed a power walking buddy apparently. Yeah, and 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 that particular evening they weren't where they were supposed to be. They were hiding in the bushes because they were ashamed of their nakedness. Well, that doesn't really happen in the cartoon because I guess they only had about two minutes left. So God immediately is just like. Rah! What are you doing? And, <laughs> like and the Eve's rock like, monster 
and never ending yeah. story. And and Adam's like, oh, uh, well, Eve made me do it immediately. He's like, Eve Threw made me right do it. right under the bus. Yeah. I mean, he does not care. Uh, and then Eve's like, well, the serpent made me do it. And so God immediately is like, hey, serpent, get out here. I super, can we talk about that? I super have a problem with this because, super first weird. off, it's not a serpent. It's Satan. According to the cartoon, according I'm to the cartoon, Satan. it is Satan in the form of a serpent. So why doesn't God say, hey, Satan, cut that shit out and then give Adam and Eve a do-over? Or even just maybe lose the tree altogether nah, nah. if it's a problem. One, one and done. Yeah. One and done. Man. No. But he, he says, serpent, get out here. And while the snake is writhing around on the ground, he says, I will curse you and all your kind. And you're going to like you crawl around. You will be the most cursed and, of beasts. Yeah. Most cursed of beasts. You're going to crawl on your belly and eat dust for the rest of your days. Mm-hmm. Two things with that. Go ahead. One, a snake is, a, a snake is already doing that. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to curse an animal to do what it already is doing anyway mm-hmm. that's super weak sauce especially if you're if you're about to really lay it down on mankind for eternity and the worst you're going to do to a serpent is tell it that it's going to do what it is already doing anyway mm-hmm. that's one line of thinking the other thinking is that it wasn't a serpent or that a serpent wasn't what we think of a serpent as today, that it was probably something that didn't slither on the ground and, and have dust in its face, that it was probably something pretty cool, and then God cursed it into a snake. And I can see Which that. the cartoon does no But the way. cartoon does not do that. And so it really just makes it seem like God's punishing or it, it doesn't seem like God's punishing. It seems like God is super misinformed about the whole situation. Uh-huh. All he heard was Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Yeah, it's almost like there was some uh, tattletale angel yep. that ran in and was like, ooh, they did the thing they're not supposed to do. I'm and God's like, you, Saint Peter. excuse me. And he comes and he, he curses the snake somehow. And then he's <laughs> like, Eve, you know what? I'm going to multiply your sorrow. So I guess. Which is the name of my band. Okay, multiply your sorrow. Yeah. So I guess if we're thinking about sorrow and Eve, uh, if she's sad in paradise, I don't know. Uh, what sorrow did she have to multiply other than what she had just done, eat from the tree, and maybe now she feels bad about it? Except she didn't feel bad about it. She said she felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. But God's like, oh, no, 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 you didn't feel good. You felt sorrow, mm-hmm. and now I'm here to multiply it. So now childbirth is going to super suck for you. And she's like, what do you mean childbirth? Yeah. I haven't like, done that there yet. No, yeah, like yeah, I'm going to tell you this thing that's super painful that you've never experienced. I'm going to tell you that I'm making it painful. <laughs> okay. And Adam, uh, guess what? This super cool garden, you can't come here anymore. You got to leave, man. Mm-hmm. You got y- y'all can't be here anymore. He doesn't he doesn't banish Eve from the garden in the cartoon. And I'm not sure if he banishes Eve from the garden in scripture. I'd have to look that up. Um but Adam leaves the garden and Eve decides to go with him um because she is beholden to him, I guess. Right. Husband and wife. Sure. Uh she, she belongs him. to him, uh, I guess. It, uh, it's it's very strange, the cultural norms that are in this time period <laughs> that in a book where it might not actually be time, but just a creation of fantasy of the author of the book. One of the things that is the punishment for Adam and Eve is uh, they cover up their nakedness, and they just look like your stereotypical caveman drawings. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the book, or in the book, in the Bible... <laughs> In the scripture, they uh, they sew together fig leaves <laughs> like and use animal skins. Like we're talking about like the Tommyknockers or something. It's like, well, in the book. <laughs> in, according to the scriptures, uh, they, they sew together fig leaves and they use animal skins to make uh, clothes. But in the cartoon, uh, they don't worry about the fig leaves. They just, they're wearing animal skins and they look like cavemen. They learned how to tan hides and, and skin animals over the course of the five seconds that God was punishing them. Mm-hmm. So then we get... They had knowledge. They learned it yeah. from eating fruit. And uh, the tree of the... I'm going to be honest with you. If, if someone told me I could either live forever or learn a viable job skill, I'd probably go with the job skill. Yeah, because that way you'll get more money. Right. And that's what's important. Yeah, there there are so many inaccuracies that happen in these conversations that you really just have to suspend your disbelief. And that's what leads me to believe that this isn't actually time travel back to the beginning, but it's more just a an interactive storybook that you're sucked into. Yes. It explains why Eve doesn't have nipples. It explains why Adam doesn't have a penis. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because this, this this show is the equivalent of a child's uh, pop up Bible. It seems like Superbook was created by someone that didn't really understand a whole lot of theology, but really wanted to make Money. a book to suck people in <laughs> and show him th- show them his version of uh, how things were. So they get sucked out of the book. Yep. They they dissolve. They they go back through the weird time warp of, of Which is cascading this, color. It's, yeah, it's the exact same thing, but backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they really just reverse the the animated sequence. They reverse the spell of Superbook. And then uh, they're back. Uh, they're back in the uh, bedroom. Uh, and Gizmo sadly is is now just a toy again that Giz- can't talk. Gizmo thankfully is back to his inanimate form, where he is perfectly fine being useless. Chris goes to to tell his dad, hey, I just got sucked into this crazy book, but his dad's just cleaning the attic, and he's like, oh, there you are. You're supposed to be in here dusting these books. Chris comes to help the professor finish cleaning the attic, and the professor's like, oh, you're obeying me? And Chris is like, oh, yeah, I just learned all about obedience. I'm going to do everything you say now, no matter what. And he's like, really? Everything I say? Without question? Fantastic. Why don't you go make dinner? And Chris is like, I made dinner last night. Well, Okay. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to not be in the attic anymore. And then that's the end of the episode. Yep. And so the whole takeaway from this, if 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 you're a kid and you're watching this, is that you need to do whatever an authority figure says at all times without question. Or they'll shoot tear gas and rubber bullets at you. Yeah. Uh as as a kid, I was completely fine with that. Um okay, obey my parents. You know, that's that's the Fifth commandment. That is literally the end of the episode. Uh, children are confused. I, if I watched this as a child, like if I went over to one of my more religious family members' house as a kid, and I was like, I wanted to watch cartoons, and they said, well, I have cartoons, and they put this VHS on, I would probably get really angry. <laughs> but lessons that can be taken from this episode, other than the obvious one they're shoehorning in, obedi- blind obedience mm-hmm. is the most important thing. It's, Cover your it's, shame. It's the first story told. Uh, cover your shame. Uh, be shame. Be be ashamed of your nudity mm-hmm. um, because Eve fucked up, mm-hmm. even though she really didn't in this cartoon. Um, uh, women, um, uh, the whole th- the joy is constantly obsessed with beauty seeking and the, the sh- approval of Chris. Yes, yeah, seeking seeking the approval of of Chris's affection. Oh, seeking the approval for her physical appearance. Yeah, physical appearance. Because for the most part, her whole thing is that she's just really naive and more or less gung-ho to do anything. She doesn't put up much of a resistance to yeah, anything. Yeah, what, whatever Chris idea Chris has, she's pretty much down for because, she again, she's smitten with him. Uh, but it's, it's frustrating that she uh, is basically told that, man, you just need to shut up. Listen, obey, and and focus focus on your own physical beauty. Focus on making yourself someone that men will be attracted to, which I think is a super messed up thing to even indirectly allude to uh, to a child. Yeah, super weird. And that was the first episode. Yeah, coming up uh, next, I think we're going to do the next episode of Superbook, which is, I think, the next scripture story, which is the story of Adam and Eve's first two kids, Cain and Abel. You have any pluggables? No. Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Watch Bad Movies. <laughs> um, uh, uh, God, I, I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't do this sooner because I've thoroughly enjoyed the process. I am a little bit taken back at the subject matter at which I agreed to do because we've got 26 more episodes of just the first season of Superbook. That is super, super weird. weird. You know what else is super weird? The color pink. Why is that weird? I just what, is that, what, what makes you think that's weird? I think pink is a weird color. No, it's I not. think it's it should be called light of red. White it's and red. white and red. No, but it's, it's not light, light red. red. It's not pink is light no, red. It's not. It's because light. It's Have you ever worn a pink blue. shirt? It's fucking powder it's, it's blue. Like it's like a red shirt. It's just left red. It's just light.